0: It's us. It's the four of us, the McElroy boys, the The four horsemen horsemen of comedy. I wasn't. That sounds. Ooh, that's scary. That makes it sound like we're here to tell jokes and maybe kill you. Uh, So this is another the the Adventure Zone zone. Uh, We're going to talk about amnesty and answer some of your questions. Uh, There were a couple. Well, there were a few things that
1: uh, left you with the the old head scratchings. Can uh, you say our names? Because I want to call dibs on pestilence.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm,
2: I'm torn I'm between war. war and
3: death. Okay, I'm then I'm death.
2: war.
3: Oh, that great. I get famine. famine. Yeah, I get yeah, famine. Yeah, you're famine. Wonderful.
2: We're also going to talk about graduation, correct? Yes, which is oh, now yes. announced and is out there. Yes. Uh, let me give you guys
0: a real softball. What I've done differently here, by the way, everyone, I went through your questions, and there were a lot of common themes. So we have some specific questions, but mostly we've got some like general discussion topics. So Duck's real name, Justin, would you like to yes. speak on that? Because that went over some of our listeners' heads, and they were confused yeah, as to why he hit it.
1: Uh, this is your old Uncle Justin here, ready to tell you that Wayne Newton is known as Mr. Entertainment. Um, he's kind of a <clears throat> Las Vegas staple. Uh, if you've ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which, fuck, you haven't, because you're eight, again, I forgot, sorry. Um, I
2: don't know if, to, like,
1: I don't know if dragging our listeners is the best thing Not dragging for- them, They're, do you think, there's infinite stuff that they know about that I don't. That's fair. Infinite, it's not a drag, it's just, f- stating facts, it's a drag on me. Ferris Bueller is Justin's, out
2: my- Ferris Bueller's is Justin's TikTok. Like the Kesha song? Oh, geez. Oh, God. Oh, boy.
3: Well, he was also, he was also in National Lampoon Vegas Vacation. Daddy, so, oh, do you yeah, think that's a
1: seminal seen? classic film for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the vines. Remember all the VV vines? They call them triple Vs. It's Vegas vacation vines. Big hit. <laughs> big hit. Anyway, uh, Wayne Newton is a, a sort of a, a little bit cheesy um, Vegas presence. And I thought I liked the idea that Wayne uh, Newton, his mom, was a big Wayne Newton fan. Uh, And she named him after Wayne Newton, which is she thought was fucking radical, which is why she always hated Duck is because she was such a big Wayne Newton fan. Of course, when when um, Duck was growing up, Wayne Newton was a bit more of a presence than he is right now. So he, you know, he got tired of being kid teased um, and uh, he he started going by Duck. That was that is the incredible true story.
3: There you go. Aren't you aren't you glad they she wasn't a fan of Engelbert Humperdinck? That would have been even that would have been wild. <laughs> have been yeah. a rad name actually. Yeah.
1: Th- uh, thank you for choosing a uh by several decades more outdated reference than mine dad. I do appreciate it. You're that. welcome, buddy.
0: Uh Griffin? Yeah. What is uh, what what was going on there with uh Leo uh and uh Endred at the end there? Is Leo the new Mothman?
2: Yeah, I I uh for the endings like I really I had like ideas I had beats I had basically for balance I did like offers I think is what I called them and they just happened to align very well with like what you all saw your character arcs post-adventure being uh the Mothman thing like I uh, I thought you know the 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 law that was kind of keeping people from staying in uh sylvain the like that was keeping the sylvans from coming home you know had been effectively lifted because you'd restored the heart of the planet and everything was all good and so you know maybe injured would want to go home and, and and go home and uh luckily he would be leaving behind like a group of mystic seer superheroes that could easily take up the charge for him Uh, Justin's choices for like Duck and his ending like just Straight up didn't align and I I think We may have even taken a pass at the ending where we tried To make it align and it just like did not work And so I was like ah fuck it like Leo Is still at home and He has psychic visions And probably not much else to do Dr. Drake is you know Still uh, Busy at the uh, Green Bank Telescope And doing all that stuff so yeah Leo's the new (laughs) Mothman But, it, now, like, like many, 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 many things in this campaign, it was, like, something I had way deep in the background that just, like, didn't really pan out or get time to explore very much, so.
0: Now, Griffin, you mentioned it briefly in there, but the, the Sylvan's being exiled. Right. Um, I always thought that that was, like, they had, I don't know, whether by accident or something had, like, crossed over and just weren't allowed to come back, or was there, were they pu- being punished for something?
2: Um, again, like, this is a thing, I think we tried to explore the first time you all, like, as a group went to Sylvain, and that episode, probably more than any, is the one that we had to, like, doctor, because, uh, it was just so wildly lore-heavy, and, like, way too dense, and was setting, like, a really, really bad tone for the rest of the campaign, but, yeah, basically, like, the... The big thing that was happening in the world then was this uh, limiting of how much of this like life sustaining power people were allowed to have, and people were allowed to take. And so there was a, you know, a lot of Jean Valjean style stuff going on where people were trying to, you know, siphon off too much light. And if you did that, they would kick you out because exiling people essentially just means there's more to go around for everybody else. Uh, this was like uh, some of like Woodbridge business that we again like didn't really get to of you know because he sucked right yeah he sucked that but he was he was also charged with like maintaining the uh <laughs> the survival of his entire like civilization and that meant like these sort of draconian measures um, mm-hmm. and so yeah everybody who was exiled from Sylvain either did like break a law established to maintain the existence of of their people or yeah just like crossed over and and ran away and left and once you do that you are not allowed to come uh you're not allowed to come back home because the their relationship with you know things living on earth is, is extremely and understandably tenuous
0: uh, now I have a, this is a question for all of us. Uh, people really were interested to hear our thoughts on like the differences between the story as it uh, as it kind of played out and the characters, uh, the difference between balance and amnesty. I will say just story-wise, one of the things that I have kind of compared it to a couple of times now is that I felt like balance was much more of a, and this isn't like a, a quality judgment so much as it is a structure judgment an epic story yeah. where it's like building to a big thing and it's you know the the whole thing is like kind of one big arc right of story where amnesty is much more episodic where you have a build season over season but it is more focusing on the like if you look at the five like the five sections of seasons right, right you can see a very clear build season over season and then starting back at the beginning build again Um, and, and so it was a kind of different way to take it where, as I was playing, I wasn't focused on like, where is this going? You know, like I was more just thinking of like the task in front of us and solving for that. Right. And trying to catch things as they went on. Um, and so kind of the same way it kind of played out with Aubrey, where I wasn't trying, with with Magnus, I felt like I was always trying to get to like, yeah, but who is he really? Where is he going to end up? What's his deal? And with Aubrey, like, I was just, beat, like, just doing it, just doing the thing. And then when something about her would come out, like, Griffin would ask a question or, you know, Duck or Ned or Thacker would have a scene with her and I would be surprised to find out, like, some development about her because I just wasn't thinking... Yeah, like long game as
2: much with her as I was with Magnus. Hey, real real quick, uh, we're probably gonna do spoilers for Amnesty. I don't think we've said. that oh, at yeah. this point, but yeah. Uh, so many so, spoilers. This is be the, careful. Yeah, come on, people, come oh, on now.
3: I think, uh, you, Justin, big di- I, think uh, I think a big difference for me was the fact that because it was in a less fantastical setting uh, than Balance, I, it always felt like the stakes were a little higher. Um. I mean, I know big things, dramatic things happen in balance, but I think because Kepler was, you know, a small town and because things were, you know, a lot more intimate and, and set in the one place, for, for me anyway, it kind of felt like, you know, when stuff happened to the characters, you know, th- there wasn't going to be any magic spell that brought them back to life. Although we did do that a, a couple bit, of times, yeah. but it, it always felt like the stakes were a little bit higher. Uh, for me, and and made it a little bit more um, scary. To be honest with you,
2: yeah. Role playing with actual laws and a law enforcement agency <laughs> that enforces laws that was, was interesting. Because yeah,
3: yeah,
1: it's it's tough. I mean that that was I I came into it with a. I think my mistake with um with amnesty, and I think it's okay to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Now. Um. I think my mistake with amnesty was like I tried – I went in um, – okay, you ever break up with somebody and then you it's like a long-term relationship and then the next relationship you get into, you immediately want it to be the level of like intimacy mm-hmm. that you had yeah. in the last relationship, right? Yeah. It's, it's the best metaphor I can think of to, to like – Taco is so fully realized by the end of Balance that like I, can, I, I like – Kind of jumped ahead to that with Duck and like figured out too much stuff uh, for him, and I think because of that, like I didn't really have his his the essence of who he was as a person at the beginning. Um,
0: Yeah, we discovered stuff as we
1: went. We discovered stuff as we went, like the inability to lie and stuff like that. But like,
2: (laughs) did did
0: that that, motivate? That that was one of my favorite qualities of Duck. By the way, that just it it. It was so fun and also at the same time, like, told you so much about him. It was that was such a fun character. The main
1: thing that I was trying to do with Duck, and I can also admit this now, is it is so fucking hard to roleplay a wizard in especially specifically in Dungeons and Dragons because if you're in a narrative podcast, like, there's this constant pressure to like do cool shit and find like the cool spell that's going to turn everything on its ear. And like, Duck could, um, duck had two moves stab and not lie yeah and that's like the two things actions that he could take uh and and that made a lot more digestible i think for me
3: Is was that a factor in you wanting to make him mundane again no
1: i i mean like mundane was a real challenge because like that that for me was like how can we make this compelling at all and it's really (laughs) something that like griffin and i struggled with like can can this even be entertaining? Cause like I don't I don't know. He's like basically not even a, a superhero at that point. Like he's just like a regular Joe. That's like a cool narrative thing, but like it ain't it ain't easy um uh to to tell a story that way. But I'm I'm happy with how it came out.
0: It was so interesting. I went through kind of the opposite thing. Like it's so funny to hear you say that, which is a lot how I felt as Magnus for a while in, in balance. And then I was so excited to play a spell slinger. But because we played in this more like grounded world, I really felt that it was important to justify her being able to do stuff. I mm-hmm. like and so I always tried to time it with like uh you know leveling up Rather than just like, uh, yeah, now she can uh, shoot lightning because or or more just looking at the used magic. I didn't want to be like, yeah, she's going to make a portal, a thing she's never done in her entire life and has not. Like, So that was it became more of a narrative thing to like figure out how to make that work. Yeah. And and I, I think. I don't think Justin
2: was the only one who fell a little bit into like the rebound kind of we thing. We all did. Like we all that yeah. that was the that was the and again like I we're not dragging our own shit but like that was the hubris I think we all displayed when we started in on Amnesty proper. Uh yeah. was, was this idea of just like well we knew what made balance good there at the end. Let's just hit those dramatic beats right away and then it was like that ain't how that ain't how storytelling works is probably one of the things. One of the other questions is what did you learn? And like, that's probably number one It's yes. like, you can't right. just jump into the third act of a story. Uh, I, and I came in so hot with
0: Aubrey. of Ooh, yeah. just like, this is what she sounds like. And she has like, has this loss and she's this and this and this. And like, then after playing it for like four episodes, I was like, Oh no, it's yeah. not that like, that was one of the best notes that like we got from our audience was people were like, We're not crazy about the voice. And I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. And then it just basically became like my voice pitched up like one quarter of an octave. And that was like all it began. And I think from that point forward, I started playing her a lot more like myself um, and seeing like the impulse control, the ADD and everything. And originally I saw her as being way more kind of chaotic and like... Un, like, whoops, I keep making mistakes with my magic and destroying stuff. But then it was like, no, I think she might be more grounded than that and more realistic than that. And uh, that, like, I think that was kind of the difference is when we started uh, Balance, we were like, adding stuff to one. the characters, yeah. right. And then with Amnesty, I think, we had
2: to chip away stuff that didn't work right. to find our characters. From a, from a story... We've talked about characters from a story perspective, and I'll go quick because we've been on this question for a long time. Uh, this Doing the story for uh, Amnesty was actually much, much harder than it was for Balance, despite the fact that Balance was like this grand epic uh, campaign. Uh, partially because like that grand epic campaign, I could make each like chunk of it be whatever the fuck. Like, that world and the campaign and the tone that we set for it kind of allowed it to be this infinite toy box where... If I wanted to do an arc that is like a Wild West time loop, like I don't actually have to bend over backwards trying to justify it. The justification is mm. there's some, there's wild magic in this world, man. I don't know. That's why we got to stop it. Uh, in Amnesty, like it was a lot harder being inside the confines of, I know what the theme and tone of this is going to be. Like I want to tell a story um, about w- West Virginia, by which I mean like not necessarily. I want to tell a story that is just full-blown rural Appalachia setting, at, you know, et cetera. But rather like, I want to tell a story about the folks who benefit from, uh, you know, artificial sort of manufactured conflict between people, which is like the story of West Virginia in, in a nutshell. And so, like, yeah. that, was, that was super, like, helpful in a way because it meant, like, I had a direction for it starting out, but it also meant that, like, I had to stick with that no matter what. Um, and so, like, I don't know. It was a lot more, despite the fact that it did end with a, you know, cataclysmic w- world-saving event, like, uh, having, uh, staying within the confines of that was, like, super tricky. But I think it ended up with a story that is, like, wildly, tonally different from Balance. Uh, speaking of tonally different,
0: let's talk about Ned's death and Thacker becoming a PC. So one, people wanted us to talk about Ned's death, but then there were lots of questions about, like, was this always the plan for Thacker? Was he always, like, a backup player? What was going to happen with him if he hadn't become a player? So first, Dad and Griffin, like, how did we come to killing Ned Chicane? I,
3: I felt like it was... I felt like Ned's story had come to a... An end. I I felt like uh, the things that led up to the to, to Ned's passing, I I think just really followed a, a good pattern. I, I I didn't necessarily want Ned to go because I loved playing Ned, um, but it just seemed like his his story with Aubrey and mm-hmm. and and the things that developed for him, that you know, for him to finally be a hero and 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 save somebody's life and in doing that i just i i I felt like it was the time for him to go um
2: like there's actually systems in monster of the week for retiring a character so like if that really was the drive like dad could have also just said like and then ned runs away like he could have just done what aubrey said that arc could have ended with Ned just fucking running away, and then Dad rolls a new character. Like, that is actually one of the advancement level-up moves that you can take as your yeah, character yeah. retires to safety. So, like, that wasn't necessarily, like, Dad's desire... Uh, Dad's, like, thinking about Ned's uh, ending having naturally arrived Like wasn't necessarily, like, the reason why he died. That entire uh, arc was... In the same way, that that was, like, our suffering game, right? For Amnesty. Because in a lot of ways, it was like, I cannot really endanger these folks in the traditional method uh, because they are, you know, superheroes at, uh, to, to a certain extent. Maybe less Duck, who was, uh, you know, specifically a mundane. But, uh, and so the thing that I came up with was, like, this is the final escalation of uh, Reconciliation's, like, effort to uh, get this war going between Sylvain and Earth. And so they sent over this, this shapeshifter... Uh, what did I call it? I had it in my notes. Every monster had a name, and they were very simple. Like the the beast, the water, the calamity, the countenance is what I called this one. Although that never really came up. And so the whole thing with this arc is it was building to a to an inflection point. Like it was building to a climactic moment. Everything that happened in that arc was building to this moment in front of the archway, and you all had plenty of chances to stop it or disrupt it or whatever and you did to an extent like some of the things you did like at that final confrontation you uh i think you made some of the hornets go away like it could have been extremely extremely bad and it was really bad because there were also some terrible roles there but basically like it was all building up to this point where something terrible was going to happen because like that was the way that this hunt had gone you had done virtually nothing to slow this things like plans or whatever Uh uh I think that it's. I think that it's important to note here that like this is where,
1: and we've talked about this. I think in every t- t- Taz's, uh, this is the distinction between playing an RPG with your friends and playing an RPG as a method of storytelling. Right? right? Like Griffin is, or any DM or GM, is not going to unilaterally decide to kill one of our other creations. We are telling this story collaboratively, right? There's moment to moment stuff that they will discover organically like as they're playing. Right. Um and some big stuff has happened that way. I mean like some gigantic stuff has happened that way. But if Griffin or again if 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 whoever is going to take a player off the table, it is going to like be a discussion beforehand. But Maybe not like how exactly that happens or whatever, but like it will be something they, so they sort of talk about beforehand because like we're telling a story together. And that's really – that starts to get a little bit like take my ball and go home. It's right. like, okay, fine. Well, your guy's dead. So anyway, get a new guy. <laughs> um, And I think that we all kind of had a sense that we wanted that to happen to someone at some point in this arc – just to prove that we like to it's keep grounded, the stakes, right? Like, y- right? Like, well, and also, but like for us as a show, like, I want I want people to know when they're listening what we are capable of, and and and, and like, and and it's and murder, what they <laughs> should, and, and it's murder. What it is 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 character murder. No, I mean, like, I want people to understand this. I want there to feel stakes, right? Yeah. yeah. This I don't want to just be like the Good Friends Club having adventures. Like, there have to be tension,
2: or else it's not gonna you know, it's just not going to land emotionally. Yeah. To to that point, like if dad had gotten a full success on that one role where he jumps in front of the, you know, he tries to tackle Danny to the ground. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, how do I justify that he gets killed that I, like, fulfill dad's, yep. like, way of thinking that his story has come to an end? I don't know. But he got the mixed success. So I gave him a hard fucking choice. That's the, like, and it, and, th- and and that's Ned the And Ned made the choice. Right. And that's the thing is that's why I think that narrative moment worked out so
0: well, right? Because it wasn't, like, a complete failure where Griffin was like, well, you're dead. Right. And it wasn't a complete success that Griffin had to force. Like, I really felt like that was a big character moment where Ned got offered the choice of... Like you have to choose between you or Danny, and Ned sacrifices himself—a thing he would not have done before we started Amnesty—and a thing which is actually
1: fascinating to- It's fascinating because he tried. Dad almost did that with Ned, right? At at a point much right. earlier. Than
3: yes, that. right. Dad, Dad. Yeah, and and you actually were the as as I say at just about every you know con we go to or every interview. Justin is. The best at at character police and acting police. No, well, I'm I'm being serious. It's
1: kind of a backhanded compliment, but I will take no. It's huh? it's, uh, it's, it's a forehanded
3: compliment. J- the J Man
1: didn't get a lot of superlatives in the old Taz world, no, so I will take you,
3: best character police. You you are you're you are dedicated to staying true to your character. And there was a moment. Was it? It. It was. It a was in the. Run. It
2: was a, no. It was in the hot springs, and Jake Cool Ice was trapped in it, and you were like, "I dive heroically into the water to save him." Yeah, and, so right, so yeah. and so I was like, "Fucking really? No, you no, wouldn't.
3: <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that." And he was exactly right, and that that really resonated with me for the rest of the time playing Ned. Yeah, because because you know it, Ned wasn't a hero, and and we had to. He had to earn that journey. He had to earn. That title, um, and so yeah, and, and so and I-, I also
0: love that it was Danny's girl, or it was uh, it was Aubrey's girlfriend. You know right. what I mean? Like, would would Ned have done that for some random stranger? Would he have done it if it wasn't, you know, to to do something for? Aubrey? I don't yeah. know, but
2: like. And uh, it had an, imp- surprise, it we had had an impact. We got, a, we got to crank. Got okay, yeah. About, About Thacker, Thacker yeah. It, yeah. Well, I love that because the, the discussion that followed that was, well, okay, how do we bring Ned back to life? And then it was like, oh, we shouldn't. We can't. No, no should, that would take really away from not do it. all of it. Dad, uh, why did you? I, I, I feel like Thacker actually came up very organically. It was my idea.
1: I thought it was my idea.
2: Well I thought it was, it was mine.
0: My idea. I'm checking stuff. Okay, that Fuck is exactly
2: what I'm talking about. So why why <laughs> why what was it about Thacker that you decided to uh, full disclosure. There was a moment where it was like, okay, they still have that like organic organic printer bag yeah. That the countenance left behind could they use that to print a new body? Could they print a we new Ned We also or talked
0: about ghosts because we'd already established that with Dewey, yeah. And, like, and there, there's ghost characters. We talked about the there's like uh you know an uh, not undead but like a monster character,
2: right? Or a monster you, you could playbook. Be, you could be a ghost in that, but then it was also a question of like, well, okay, if he doesn't play Ned, are we going to roll up a new character in the final arc of the show? Right, and. and then, yeah, well, and, but then then you were really down to play Thacker. Like when the idea came up, you like jumped at it.
3: Yeah, I thought it just because I there were a couple of times in previous stories where I kept trying to guide the story back to Thacker because it just felt like there was this great resource, somebody yeah. who had been to the other side, who had seen things from the bad guy's viewpoint. If you wanted to, and we basically had him in a in a cage in the basement right so <laughs>
1: narrative cave yeah and right s-
3: so that storyline was there uh, and and griffin you can answer this better than me but i just always felt that thacker was going to re-enter the storyline again maybe just joining as an npc you know to guide them you know wherever they were going to go but yeah. it just seemed like we had this resource uh, uh, that that was there that that we needed to use
2: also fully uh i had this in my mind the entire time you could have done that at the very beginning. Uh, I think I had, I was paying attention every time that like Aubrey was in the room. If Aubrey had like touched Thacker, the like Quell influence would have like, yeah. Uh, So that could be, that literally, that literally could have happened at any point. So who who I see.
0: I I think that that was the, uh, the big development in the conversation about it was when we were talking about that kind of uh, recap, big transition episode where I think. We were talking about, you know, using big magic and the idea of bringing someone back. And then I think we hit on the idea of using big magic to cure Thacker, which is like a thing Aubrey had been talking about doing for a while. Right. And then that being like the perfect opportunity to introduce Thacker as a player character. Once again... It was, I thought, an amazing, like, narrative opportunity that kind of came up pretty organically. Uh, Speaking Griffin, Aubrey as Sylvain, was that something that you had kind of in mind from the beginning? Fuck no. No. And a lot of people ask me, like, was I
2: surprised by it? And the answer is, in many ways, yes. Yeah, when, uh, yeah, after, you know, after Janelle says that in the elevator ride down in episode 30, what was it, 35? Was that the penultimate episode? I don't remember. I think so, yeah. Uh, Or no, it was 34. Uh, Yeah, there was like a, I remember your your response after that. Like we all stopped recording. You're like, huh. And I was really worried that you were like, uh, that I had like hijacked the character. What I didn't want you to think is that like, uh, I had decided that, all of your past or whatever was was, uh, a lie and you have been this god the whole time that you've forgotten about, which wasn't necessarily the case. No, but I mean, here's the thing is the way I I see it and I've seen
0: it since the beginning, since Balances, I like to kind of like hand Griffin things and say like, you can feel free to use this if you want. to. Like here's the, like Flame Bright, right? Was that, was that thing of like, Aubrey has this necklace and it's a crystal, right? Maybe that's something. And like, I like, I like being surprised by things like that because I, I trust Griffin to never like t- change my decisions or take anything away from me. Um, and so, like, another one was I when the episode went up all these people started tweeting like, whoa, Dr. Harris Bonkers, what the fuck? What? And I was like, wait, what happened? What was this? <laughs> and I went back and listened to it and Griffin had the scene where Dr. Harris Bonkers like caught a snake with his hands. And I was like, hey, we need to talk about Dr. Harris Bonkers, Griffin. And it made complete sense to me, right? Once we discovered uh, that Aubrey is Sylvain and Dr. B- Harris Bonkers had basically spent all this time next with, to like pure uncut right. Sylvain. Um
2: okay.
0: But, I, wanna like, th- I love that shit.
2: Yeah, I want to talk about the story, uh, the formlessness of the story and how you all sort of uh, shaped it. Because like, uh, and I've talked about this in like interviews about this stuff before, but like uh, this, this was the season where I really didn't have a, a ton planned Uh, Especially as we moved into the back half, like the first half was kind of uh, a bit more guided in the sense that like I was establishing the rules of these worlds and characters and all that shit, but um, there were a lot of beats that just like everything shifted around them, one being, uh, I can think of two, well three, right, like Ned dying was obviously a huge Uh, pivot point Uh, Aubrey melting the snow and starting this like rivalry essentially with Keith and the hornets like that was not planned and it led to some like cool shit in the next couple hours Uh, but the biggest one was duck sort of uh saving Billy and befriending him like the idea Mm -hmm. of you all having a uh you know a man on the inside with these like uh omniscient godlike aliens that have been sowing war throughout the, the universe like that idea did not enter my mind until Justin did what he did um and so, like, I, I just wanted to say, like, m- way, way more than balance, like, the the micro decisions you all made. Like, the very micro, like, not even huge character moments, but, like, small decisions you guys made, like, c- led to a fork in the stream that, uh, you know, sent the story spiraling in a completely <laughs> different so direction.
0: It's so interesting, though, because even from being on the inside of it, right, like, I cannot imagine Amnesty without Billy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I think it's, it's a much different like story path than we took with balance but I think by the time we got to the end I think about all the things that happened and I think like yeah that that, those are the things that needed to happen for Amnesty to be right you know what I mean like I think it was good that you came into it with a looser structure after we were more experienced at like playing games and telling stories together because it felt as, I mean, a lot of the questions we got were, like, was that always the plan with Thacker?
2: Was that always the plan with Aubrey? The answer was to all those is no. Like, it, nothing was always right. nothing was always the plan, like, at, at all. Um, and what I love about the, the, the Billy thing is, like, that only happened because of decisions that Justin made about Duck, like, not just fucking murdering. Like, yeah. that arc especially, can you talk about, like, I what sh- your decision-making, because sh- you, like, just did not want to kill strug- anything.
1: Well, I struggled with it, right, because that i mean he's a forest ranger mm-hmm. like and, it, and 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 it's like that it just didn't seem like murder would come like very easily to to him um i'm sure there is an example there's probably one or two that i just aren't springing to mind but like i don't recall him killing anything yeah yeah um, I don't know that he did. If I did, I, I you know, maybe, maybe earlier on, or maybe I just didn't notice, but like that, it, I really struggle with that because I'd kind of created a character who was a blunt weapon who didn't really like have a taste for violence. Um, and that would have been like, I think that that is a part if you want to look at like how amnesty was different from balance, like, I think having your number one damage dealer be a pacifist sort of yeah like that certainly changes your your tone a little bit um dad did you feel hamstrung not with like ned's ability set like did you struggle with like how to contribute in in individual scenarios
3: yeah especially in action scenarios and the hunts i had to really struggle to to, to figure out how, what good Ned would do. That was kind of why I really liked getting the Narf blaster. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. because, you know, it all is said and done, when you're in the narrative stuff and you're investigating, you know, you can ask questions and you have all this flexibility and it's all observation and everybody has the ability to do that. But be honest, you know, when you get into a, Combat situation which there was Always going to be a combat Situation right Ned Was not you know a Combat kind of guy and sure. And and I think even If I don't think he was even Designed that way it, Ned's a great side character for helping with Everything else so uh, it got To the point where I you know decided well You know what he would Maybe he would distract uh, And you know And then run away yeah. Or, you know, he would, you know, aid somebody else. There were a lot of times I felt like I was passing along, you know, to the, to the next person or
2: trying to help people with their roles. The game's great um, about that, though. Like. Yeah, the game is. Yeah. Fully fully set up that. Uh, two quick things. The Narf Blaster one, I'm very glad came about because I was really from the start trying to think of a way where um, none of you guys would have these big heroic moments by shooting things with a gun. And, and I know uh-huh. nerf blaster you could argue is that But like the idea of glorifying so like, Actual guns seems like a bad thing But he, him having this magic uh, nerf gun Was uh, I think a decent way around that uh, and the idea of y'all being pacifist, I I did, con- like, for a while when I was thinking about the ending, once I thought about, like, reconciliation and that being sort of the final beat, doing a sort of, like, Undertale style or really any game with, like, a morality system, like, weighing your, your good versus your evil in all of the hunts, your peacefulness versus your war making. Um, but Mm -hmm. that, that was, that was way too, I don't know, that was way too gamey. And also, like, y'all were super pacifist, I feel like, the whole, the whole season. Except for the time that Thacker, I think, threw a spear through a guy's hand. That was pretty gnar. Well, that happens. Uh, Griffin, you mentioned the ending, right? A lot of people wanted to know about Beacon and the ending,
0: and what exactly was happening there, and was that the plan all along for Beacon, and any thoughts on this?
2: No, like... Again, no, it wasn't the plan. All, like, nothing was the plan all along. That wasn't the plan until, like, an hour before we recorded. Like, I had this idea of, uh, how, like, I don't know how much I really want to get into. Because there's a certain amount of, like, if I try to explain the mechanics of Beacon, I, like, where did Can Beacon I say how I understood it? And you yeah. tell me, okay,
0: how I understood it was... The reconciliation they had like a system in place of voting. If they ever felt like their plan was aggression and not suppression, right? If it was like now we're trying to take out planets rather than just taking out planets that are going to be a threat,
2: right? If they and became he, the
0: thing that they swore to destroy, it, right? Sort of. And when when he put beacon into the dome, it was like inserting like a you know a, a virus, virus like the thumb drive an into idea the system into yeah. It, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's and, it. And, and so
0: his aggression then, like, poisoned the system and made them all feel so aggressive that they had to cease the project.
2: Yeah, like, and and the idea of... Justin and I never had a formal conversation about Duck's Destiny, which, like, as a chosen, that's your whole shtick. And mm-hmm. if we had never gotten around to some sort of moment of Duck's agency being a a a pivotal like either force for good or for bad in this world like i think that would have been really kind of strange and so i yeah
1: yeah i dug that um i dug that in the end duck's thing that he had to do was give away beacon like that that it it, it lent, lent a nice parallel yeah. to the story i think you know he wouldn't take him up Initially, and then, you know, to sort of finish the arc, he had to, like, return him somewhere else. Like, yes. it, it wasn't even like he was wielding Beacon as a weapon as much as he was just the messenger taking it. And I it was his destiny.
0: I don't know if you intended this or not, Juice, but what I also really loved probably about Probably not, okay. Trav. Probably is not, that it, it kind of implied that the reason Duck was chosen is because he didn't want to fight, right? Where somebody who was, like, super bloodthirsty had wielded Beacon... Like they probably wouldn't have come to this moment, so you needed someone who specifically did not want, like, to do it, to wield the most aggressive weapon known to man.
2: Comic like I'm much more, I'm much more
1: interested in the in. I'm much, and I'm I'm pro- now I'm getting now I'm bloviating, but like I I'm, I'm very much more interested in. We know that it wasn't a destiny in the traditional sense because Minerva just chose Duck from the parties that were available. Yeah. So it wasn't that I'm much more interested in like, what do you do with the opportunities that are presented to you? Yeah, And that I think is more interesting to me than like duck denied his destiny or accepted his destiny. It's like duck made the most of an opportunity that was, that was in front of him and he played his, his part in the, in the bigger picture. Yeah.
3: Um, by so the way, by the way, beacon, my favorite NPC. Beacon okay. Very so good. you oh. have brought this to me. Okay. Let's, let's do a
0: quick kind of, we'll do a rapid fire answer here. Uh, Favorite NPC. My favorite was Muffy and Winthrop, just because they went from being these weird <laughs> mentioned characters
2: uh, to be to being <laughs> like hunters of man. You all were more plugged into like the social response to Muffy and Winthrop, but they were still fully poachers. Yes, they yes. were and not just poachers, blown <laughs> murderers. Okay, cool. They Everybody sees be them very Griffin. into them. Uh, I, I guess I like that moral conflict.
1: They reminded me of the couple from uh, National Lampoon's Oh, yeah. Chris Christmas yeah, vacation. Yeah, absolutely, Just to, that's our second.
2: Yeah, that's... national Lampoon vacation reference for the. Uh... Um, I liked. Uh, I mean, I liked Keith and Hollis. Like, I like this idea of like a cool as. Uh, I guess Keith doesn't really fit in there, but Hollis being like this cool as shit stunt biker. Uh, you know, trying to break the law and was it like that act of rebellion? I thought was very cool and a neat foil to Aubrey. But the character that kind of surprised me the most was Janelle. Like the because that was the NPC that by far you all spent the most time with. Like you spent more time with Janelle than you did with Mama, which is like who I kind of based the whole campaign around when I was like designing it. And the relationship that came out of you and Janelle, Aubrey, I thought was like really neat because it wasn't instantly this deep emotional maternal connection and it almost i don't think it ever was like a maternal connection as much as it was just like you all becoming friends who mutually respect each other and all i you know that's true of minerva and and duck as well and that like evolved into uh, a a more serious relationship out of that so yeah I, my favorite npcs then i guess are the ones you all actually spent time with <laughs> yes um what about you Dad? i can't oh, oh. yes well
3: beacon but I also liked Boyd Mosh I like Boyd a lot just uh, yeah. because I deepened deepened uh, Ned's story and uh, I I like it I like I like the kind of bad guy characters yes
0: yeah, so. uh to answer another question real quick yes that was Sephiroth Griffin created a Sephiroth summon in the game once again like another kind of virus program that Billy put in there Sephiroth
2: Attacking everyone because he had played Final Fantasy Seven and it was really great. There was um, a lot of like classic PlayStation shit that influenced this campaign, and I love that because originally <laughs> I was planning on like having it be set in the late '90s, and so like you know that that actually being a, a focus, but like that it, weirdly like that aesthetic, which I am super into, ended up being a big part of it.
0: More questions. Okay, who was that woman at the end talking to Thacker?
2: It
3: was the Quill, right?
2: Yes, I mean, I. It was on. the the embodiment of the Quill. And I, yes. and and that's I did and because this, I, I did the techno slur. Y'all knew who what's yes. up. Griffin. Yeah. What happened yeah. to Pigeon? Uh I get I she went to jail. Like what happens usually when people shoot somebody check check out our fucking stage play yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) will we ever adapt will we ever adapt animacy i don't know do you have 120 dollars that you are offering because it takes a lot of money to get production like that people are i'm sure
0: like there are opportunities for it's just a different kind of story than balance so we have to like think about it real quick Uh, folks are
2: gonna murder me if i leave pigeon at that she she i i imagine that there is a there is a happy end there because what happened was an accident but like that that story didn't necessarily end super well for her uh and again if you had spent more more time with you all let her into the like secret and we talked about this during the campaign and then like didn't contact her anymore and so like i don't know yeah. i don't necessarily think that story uh, evolved very much
0: why did the shapeshifter want
2: ned to steal shade tree from mama that was just to so discontent right in the whole thing yeah every, every yeah. everything that he did in the entire or i guess i, I don't yeah i guess that he did uh, was to was to tear your party apart and to start this war and to try and destroy the Green Bank Telescope. Those were his three. Those were his three objectives.
0: Uh, one last big question: What inspired your PCs? Uh, I can start because uh, I have said it many times. Yeah, we've uh, talked about this. I think. Well, sure, just real quick because people also asked. I got a question. Well, we can transition into a couple quick questions. Uh, somebody asked: uh, How did Travis decide he wanted Danny to be Aubrey's lo- lo- love interest? And also, did you create? aubrey with bisexuality in mind and that's from mo and uh, sorry that's from india and becky um yes i created her with bisexuality in mind because i based her on like five bisexual women that either i am uh friends with or fans of she is named after and most directly inspired by aubrey plaza uh but also my friends tybee kate uh verona and gabby um and I I didn't intend her to immediately get into a relationship with Danny, but then she kind of met Danny during this huge like fluctuation in her like understanding of reality, and I think Danny like became an anchor point for her. Um, and I think Aubrey also then was con- was giving to Danny both like this feeling of belonging, right? Uh, both because she was Sylvain and because she accepted her for who she was. So I think as I saw that relationship develop, I saw them both like, giving so much to each other that I just could not imagine Aubrey not being with Danny.
2: Yeah. Uh, who else has a question here that we want to do? Um, well, Ned was inspired by...
3: Uh, I saw Brian Blessed on the Graham Norton show and just yes. thought that was pretty... But also Sven Gulli, Zachary, and all those great old monster movie hosts. I just... I, I love those characters.
2: Uh... Griffin, what are your thoughts on Barclay and Stern? Were you expecting that ship to develop or not? Yeah, fuck yeah. Like I wanted I, again, like and Who I'm not doesn't want Bigfoot to date an FBI agent. Well, like, right, and that's like I I did want that from the start, but like if y'all don't spend this this is the thing, and I'm not I promise I'm not being like catty or whatever, but like if y'all don't spend time with certain characters, if you don't spend time with Pigeon, if you don't spend time with Agent Stern, like I can't I can only do so much, like development in the background, because then it's you know just me talking to myself. So the idea of an FBI agent hunting down Bigfoot, but then accident but you know unknowingly falling in love with them, like of course that's my shit. Come on, yeah. And so like I, but it's again, everyone's like, shit. I can only do I can only do so much with that if you all don't you know hang hang more with them, I guess.
0: Griffin Aaron wants to know how did you do the computerized conversation with Billy? I
2: just talked to you guys, and then I went on to like a website and. Redubbed it. The end. Uh,
0: Justin, uh, Duck and Manoeuvre are very good and wholesome. How long did you
1: have this in mind? That's from Abby. I can't say that it was, like, long-term. I kind of realized it in the same way that you might realize it about a real person, like, that you had an affection for them. Um, I can't say it was long-term because I had no idea. Like, we did not have the time to realistically flesh that out. Like, realistically, you're not going to see that relationship blossom um, in real time. Uh, it just it wasn't that sort of story. We didn't have the time to, I think, dig into it that way. Like the world was sort of hanging in the yeah. balance so early on when we did the time jump. It sort of occurred to me that like, that what does this guy have? Like, what is he? Where would he? What would his next sort of thing be? And then who does Minerva have? Like, what is is Minerva staying here on the planet? And and if so, why? And then I thought about like the intimacy that would breed from. Someone being, like, that directly connected to you, like, seeing everything, watching you change, watching you grow up, like, watching all that stuff and, like, the, and the sort of intimacy that would be there. And Duck was always kind of a loner. We never really met anybody that, like... I mean, there's Juno, uh, but, like, he didn't have a lot of, like, connections or bonds to people. Um So I thought it, it, it made sense uh, for the two of them to... Have a relationship together. They both seem to really enjoy each other and respect each other. And
0: it's uh, great. Griffin, how did
2: Janelle it. break her leg? That's from Mary. Uh, there were so many I, people who like reached I out knew. thinking like this yes. was the teaser for Amnesty Two, and it's not. Like this was a th- like I thought about this <laughs> uh, just at some point. Like there'd be a character with an injury. They were hiking the whole fucking planet trying to like restore life to it. She tripped or something. Like that's about where I've got. Like it, it's just like a thing that happens. Sometimes with people,
0: uh, so I can think I do that that's can I do this well, one yeah, really go, quick?
2: Yeah, uh, from yeah. what things did the players do during the finale that caught you off guard? Because you each did at least one thing. Uh, for Thacker, it was saving Vincent. You saved Vincent. Like I fully thought you all were going to have to have this tragic fight with with a possessed Vincent, and Thacker just straight up deleted that that confrontation, just fully nullified it, which is, like, wild and not really what I expected. It's not like Vincent dying was a huge fulcrum upon which, like, the rest of the finale rested, but it was a, a surprising thing. Uh I mean for duck it was just the choice you made in the final scene like where you where you ended up like did not i the idea of duck leaving west virginia was like not something that i anticipated but you fully justified it and it was it was a huge surprise and i think for aubrey it was when you brought billy back into like tangible form yeah because i was thinking there would be a whole thing of like you can't just leave this station unmanned after you uh after you like defeat reconciliation or whatever so like who's gonna have to stay behind to try and like restore peace to them and it was billy and that's great because i love the final scene you all like that is the extent to which you all sort of like chopped and screwed the the story in the ending there is so much i know we have time we don't have time but like there is uh i'll have to find some other way to like talk about it maybe i'll do like a tell-all like thing for a max fun drive whatever but like there was so much shit that uh that we didn't get to with regards to like old lore about the Green Bank telescope and how I tried to actually incorporate that into this, like all this stuff that um I guess we'll have to get to later at some point. But now let's talk about the fucking future, baby.
0: Yeah, so um first I, I think probably the biggest thing is like going back to D D. Because also a lot of people asked about like Monster of the Week versus D D. And I think I loved playing Monster of the Week, but I think we I think we looked at D&D all wrong a little bit when we started doing balance of we said there's so many rules and it's you know it can feel so restrictive but then you can ignore as much of that as you want right and if you stop like i at least for me when i stopped looking at it as rules and started looking at it as possible story prompts sure of like if if you look at like all the
2: ability checks and everything like that's a thing of like i don't know maybe i'm gonna acrobatics it right and you know what i loved about amnesty and is something i'm for sure gonna take into the the next season uh is the this idea of action first and then game mechanics which is to say like in balance you would say uh magnus is gonna do an attack and in amnesty you have to say like i rush in there and i try to you know stab him uh through the hand uh trying to like pin him to like you have to describe the action and then you do it which is like was it made the combat so much more visual in a way that like i for sure want to like make sure we we try and do that in in graduation and
0: also, I will say, like, a big uh, inspiration for it was, like, we went and did Tiny Heist with Dimension 20, uh, which comes out in January, and I'm very excited about. And the world in that was so well thought through that it was basically like the big playground for us, right? And so that, like, that was another thing that I loved doing in Amnesty, and I think we kind of got to in balance. But in Amnesty, like, the first thing Griffin did was, like, draw the map of Kepler, and it began to feel really, really, really like a real place that we were playing in and became a lot more of like a sandbox. Um, and so I kind of carried that over into graduation. And I've like drawn maps and I have like a layout of the school and everything. And that's, I, I like giving all of these different places that you could go look at and I know what is there. That you can say like, I think I want to explore this and I know what that is. And I think d d has... More mechanics also for a variety of things that a variety of characters can do, where I think, I think Monster of the Week works great if you have like a team of like three to five uh, investigators, right? But if you start to say like, I want to have like 10 NPCs in a scene, right, and the player characters, I think you need more variety, uh, in storytelling in a scene like that for them to be able to like all feel like they're doing different things.
2: Yeah. Um, Travis, are you excited or nervous to take over DMing? Because I can say I'm extremely excited to not be DMing this time. <laughs> I, I am excited uh, and ner- So I'm nervous
0: because I've tried intentionally to keep the story looser in my head, right? Like I have purposefully not sat down and said, and this is where I wanna be by the end of the arc, right? Because I don't wanna do that. That is not good storytelling. But I'm excited because I'm so happy to have all the ideas out of my head so that I can sleep Um, because I keep laying down to go to bed and thinking of a new NPC. I, at this point, have designed, no exaggeration, 50 NPCs, and 40 of those I've done as fully playable characters in case I ever need to. And I'm so excited to get that out of my brain
1: so that I may rest. Um, Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, I still wish you guys had done uh, my idea, which was Oops All Jokers. (laughs) <laughs> where we all are different. jokers.
0: I cannot wait to con Justin into like DMing something that's not the Sherlock Holmes
1: game. Someone write me the rules for And <laughs> 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 Like a lot of people
0: asked about because when I put it out, it was so funny to me that I said Taz G and encouraged people to guess what it is, and nobody guessed graduation. And there were a lot of really amazing guesses, and a lot of people started skewing towards like space opera, um, which who nanny is the we fun got version, that out but, of
1: our system, baby. Yeah
0: and i uh, like this idea of like structure and characters but basically it's like a playground for you all to do whatever you want in the world so like i really so we sat down while we were in la the four of us and for the first time like talked through the concept right. for the next game and like kind of hammered it out together and while i'm still like at the helm of it it this is really like a co-creation of the four of it, like you guys gave He's me a lot of great ideas. If it goes, if it goes stinky now, he yeah, I'm trying to, to spread to the, the brain. No, but you guys gave me input into it instead of me just like sitting you down day one and surprising you with all the elements. And so that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to sit down and play it is because you guys have a concept of the world and the tone and everything before we sit down, um, and like we've talked about the characters together and we've talked about like this everything. Is- I'm excited.
1: Right. Listen, that's it. They don't get any more than that. That's it. Did we say listen it's graduation?
2: It. It's graduate. You saw that. Tell yeah, you should watch the trailer if you didn't watch the trailer.
1: It's gonna be fucking great. Why are you? Why are you? Why are we so, You know, horse training. I have been thinking about this for six months or more. I and you've been talking about it for seven. I'm I done. just want <laughs> to about, I wanna I tell to everyone. I want to tell everyone about so it so bad. My back teeth are floating. We're I just here. created an NPC
0: the other day that I'm so excited about. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I want you everybody. to create an
1: NPT that's a non-player toilet that I can use right now. Maybe I will think of a whole, like, how does
2: everyone go to the bathroom in there? You know? Well, they Ooh, shit, and then yes. they make it, they shit right on the floor, and then they use magic to make it disappear. Bye, everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Congratulations. We'll be out on the 31st. No, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> everybody left.
2: MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hello, my
3: name is Tusk Henderson and I am an outdoorsman. Are you looking for a new comedy podcast? This month's episode of Beef and Dairy Network Podcast has as its guest the wonderful Nick Offerman playing the part of Tusk Henderson, adventurer and outdoorsman. Think about fitting yourself A month's worth of provisions and a half-ton cow into a kayak. So if you've never listened to the show before, this might be a good place to start. I string a bowstring between her horn tips and I can fire a spear off the top of her head and uh, took in some very delicious cod. So if you're after a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network from Maximum Fun? Download it now. You flip a cow upside down, they make an excellent toboggan.